Hi, this is Paul Warren, and you're listening to the Rams Review Podcast. This is the Rams Review Podcast. Discussions, insights, interviews, and analysis. All passion, all Derby County. Hello everybody and welcome to the Rams Review Podcast with your host Jason. Joining me on this week's panel, we've got Jack Bryan. Nice to see you, Jack. How are you doing? Yeah, nice to see you too, mate. Good to be back. Happy to be talking Derby again. Oh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure the word happy is the right one, Jack, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll obviously we'll divulge into that a little bit later on. Um, Chris Holt is going to be joining us in a little moment. He's running a little bit late, so uh, we're going to press on and he'll, he'll join in the chat in a few minutes. But joining us, another guest, Jacob Ackett. Jacob, thanks for uh, thanks for agreeing to come on this week, mate. Obviously, wasn't meant to be on last week, but we've managed to get you back. Thanks very much for uh, sticking with us. Yeah, no, it's good to be here. It's nice to have a, to have a little chat. As you said, it's not always uh, the best thing to talk about when we're talking about Derby, but I'm, in, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, last, obviously, last week's chat off the back of uh, off the back of Reading wasn't wasn't the. Uh, well, actually, it wasn't too bad. It's been a while since I've had a right good vent on this podcast, so actually, it, it was quite nice. But um, things to talk about, obviously, to start off with this week um, is Derby's. I'm trying to think of a word to describe it. Uh, I'm struggling. Um, Derby's two. I'm just going to say Derby's two-one victory on Saturday against Cheltenham Jack, and after everything that happened at. Uh, Reading on Tuesday night. It seems as if I don't want to do no disrespects to Cheltenham because I thought they'd started the game quite well, but obviously the Derby players certainly didn't seem to get the memo, did they? They uh, they almost carried on where they left off Tuesday night, which for a home game against a team in the bottom sort of four or five wasn't the type of reaction Derby and Derby fans were looking for. No, absolutely not. I mean that first half really. Wasn't wasn't good. I mean, that was the, the first game I'd got to in a while, and that first half being there. I mean, after what about fifty sixty minutes? Yeah, it would have been before, just before Max Bird scored. Actually, my mum turned to me and jokingly said, "Oh, should we just go?" Uh, which we obviously weren't going to do, but just with the uh, the way the game had gone, and yeah, I mean, I think that was you know just it was just one of those games where. We just weren't at it. And then something, we got the equaliser and things did improve. But that first half was was really poor and was the same, you know, similar problems to uh, to what we saw sort of against Reading in, in some ways. Yeah, I, I think the same, like you say, the same sort of questions come up, don't they? they um, the midfield balance wasn't quite right. Nothing was really sticking out wide. I, th- I thought Cheltenham's defenders did quite a good job of of sort of limiting um, Wilson, Blackett-Taylor and, and Mendes-Lang. And so, you know, obviously any team, you take away any team's weapons, they're, they're going to they're gonna find it difficult to break down. But something we'll move on to in a little bit more detail is, is that Derby's midfield. Again, it's going to have to be a, a talking point. But uh, Jacob, if that first half, 
had Derby fans a little bit frustrated uh, five minutes after the restart. I don't think they were they were they were any happier, were they? Uh, I was I was still down in the concourses at the time. I was just getting myself back into uh, back into my back up into the stand after the seventh time my season ticket had been checked uh, by uh, <laughs> by stewards, which is a ridiculous new rule that they seem to be it's following in the south stand. It's gone crazy, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I can't. I honestly can't believe it. I think they've seen my season ticket more than me, and I've had it ten years. Um, but yeah, so yeah. If, if uh, as I say, if Derby fans thought the first half was uh, wasn't really worth watching, that first five or six minutes of the first half, uh, second half, sorry. Um, I mean, I appreciate the goal goes in off a deflection, and there's not, I suppose, a massive amount that you can do about that. But the build up. And the way that Cheltenham just seemed to carve through Derby's defence. And I don't think it's the first time. I think me and Chris, who's joined us, by the way. Hello, Chris. Um, I think me and Chris have spoken about this on an episode. I'm sure me and Jack have spoken about it on an episode before. The way that Derby's defence just seems to be getting slightly carved open a little bit more often than it has done for previous months and I appreciate there's been a few changes at the back due to injury. Hopefully Ryan Niambe is probably going to be back for Saturday, which I think is a massive boost to, uh, to Derby's back line. Um, but that first six minutes, Jacob must, it certainly did me. It had me fearing the worst again. Yeah, no, it certainly did. I think it was another one of those frustrating games. Obviously we've come off the back of a defeat to, to Reading to start with, which was another team down near the bottom end of the table. And you kind of come into the game against Cheltenham hoping for a bit of a response. And I think the first hour, maybe, was just so poor, so lacklustre. I don't think we managed to shot on target in that first hour. It just seemed like a little bit of a repeat of of the Reading game. And literally on that half an hour mark, we had that little bit of luck, a little bit of excellence, really, from Bird. It was a, a brilliant finish. And then we... Started playing okay. And that, that's how I'd describe it. I don't think we massively improved in that final half an hour. I don't think we became a different team. I think the tactical uh, switches, you know, the substitutions that Paul Warren made definitely helped. But that final half an hour, we were okay. And I do think that in this division, for the majority of the games we play, if we are playing all right, we're going to get some results out of it. And I think that's the difference. So Cheltenham weren't great. But neither were we. And we turned it up that little bit. We had a little bit of energy, you know, a little bit of desire showing that final half an hour. They thought, oh, God, we're, you know, we're behind. We can't lose at home. We can't lose again. They, they felt like they were a little bit, there was a bit of fear within the team. It was like, right, we've got to go prove a point now. And they did it. And that final half an hour, we looked completely fine. We looked dominant. It didn't look like Cheltenham were going to cause us any problems. But for me, the worrying part is why did it take us an hour to get to that point? Why did it take us going a goal behind? So, yeah, the, the first 45 minutes, the first hour, not a lot positive can be said, really. But in that final half an hour, especially after Bird's equaliser, we just we did what we had to do. We got the job done. And hopefully, in the next game, we can keep up that final half an hour performance instead of having to drag it out for so long. Yeah, it it's, it's, seems to be an ongoing theme, obviously, over the last few week, the last few games that we, we've had to say. But your points are, are spot on, Jacob. We did, and, and we've said it before. If this Derby team can just turn up for, for half an hour, 45 minutes of a game, they, they are going to win a lot more than they lose. There's, there's no two ways about that. I'm still... I am still a little bit worried that it's just not consistent. Uh, it's just not consistent enough for me. Um, but it's... 
it is what it is. And, and Derby ended up with that 2-1 victory. So before we, again, you've just sort of alluded to Max's goal and we'll talk about uh, the finish from Collins as well. Chris, as Jacob kind of said there, the turning point seems to be where the midfield gets changed. And it's not for the first time Conor Horahan has received a little bit of uh, abuse from the crowd. Um, he's If people are expecting him to stick his foot in for, for 90 minutes... That he's not that type of player. We've said it many times on the podcast. That's the type of player Derby need in there. It's not what we've got. We've we have got a couple of t- types of player that the tougher teams, the teams that are going to get stuck in. And so for that first goal, that that tackle that Oran, I think it was Oran that put in. I mean, it's it, it's it's lackluster for me at, at best. I mean, it's it's probably lucky that Cheltenham come away with the ball, um, but. You know, if you're expecting Oran to be sticking his boot in, it's any more than any other player would. It's just not. It's just not what you expect from him. So, for me, I think it was a little bit harsh the reception that he got by the fans, but certainly the changes that he made, um, bringing or uh, obviously switching it about a bit, getting a little bit of energy in there with Thompson. Bird was then able to pull a few more strings. And I've seen people say it on social media, that should be our midfield. Obviously, Fauna comes on sort of out of the wilderness, plays a pretty solid 25 minutes. But the problem is, Chris, we've seen it too many times this season. Those players haven't really, when given the opportunity, haven't always done it time and time again, or they do it for a substitute appearance. That midfield could start on, on Saturday. And you're just not guaranteed, and I know there's no guarantees in football, really, but there's no guarantee that that same three are going to dominate a midfield against Charlton on Saturday, like they managed to sort of do and, and make Derby tick a little bit more that that last 20 minutes on Saturday. Ian and gentlemen, um, what concerns me is that Conor Hurrihan has always played as an eight or an a ten. And he's never played as a four. He's never played as a six in his entire career. And all of a sudden, Darby expect him to drop off into zone two of the pitch and expect to do miracles. The reality is he's a zone three player. And what I mean by that is you expect him to get the ball in the final third and do some magic. You don't expect him to get the ball in the first third and, and change the game. Like you said, if you want to know where he's at as a defensive quality, watch the Cheltenham goal back over and over and over again. And you'll see how poor Derby County are as defending as a mass, as a group, on a team who play close to each other, intricate passing. Derby couldn't cope, Hurrihan especially. If they don't play round pegs in round holes, you ultimately get square pegs in round holes and they don't perform. And ultimately, for like Jacob said, for, for 50 minutes, Derby played almost with 10 players because the guy that we're discussing now was never in the game. And I don't blame him. I don't blame the crowd for their frustration, but I don't blame Hurriham. He's put in a position where he just has never established that role in his career, ever. You look at Barnsley, you look at Plymouth, you look at Villa, you look at Swansea. Did he ever play as a four? Never. So I don't understand why Warren thinks he can play that way. If Warren tells us different that he's not playing as a four, then Horian's completely out of position. Then yes, let's let's point the finger at our skipper. Going quickly back to the game for my tenth penny. This is Cheltenham Town who have won six games 
in 27, six games, and made us look really average. And it comes down to a situation where do you look at individual personnel as, as a problem or do you look at the actual formation? Now, one thing I was listening to when Jacob was uh, just uh, having his thoughts, which were really good, is that if you look at the Derby team in the first 15 minutes, until he changed the system with the substitutions, they were supposed to be playing a 4-4-1-1. Now all I saw was an octagon. I saw a back six almost with Horian and Bird so deep. Then you had the parallel width of the uh, wings and then you had the diamond up front. You had an abyss in the middle that must have been 40 yards. I never saw a white shirt within 40 yards of each zone and that concerns me. Yeah, I think it's it's pretty it's it is pretty plain to see that that's the problem. And like you say, you don't you don't think Paul Warren's sending him out there to to play that way. So it's obviously about player management, and he's obviously they're all screaming on the touchlines for for people to be in that space. So it comes to a bit of a pass, doesn't it? What what what's not what's not happening? Are players not listening, or is something else something else going on? It's a gap that definitely needs plugging if Derby want to reach their aspirations this year, this season, because that clearly shows, you know, better teams are, are going to tear Derby apart in, in that. Um, and let's face it, Cheltenham, for certain, for the for the decent start that they had to the game, they, you know, Vickers has pulled off a, a couple of routine saves, I think it's fair to say. Um, you'd be disappointed if he was beaten by any of them. I'm still not a big fan of him punching the ball. Um but he, he didn't feel it didn't feel like he flapped as much on Saturday. So you know I'll I'll I'm gonna give him I'm gonna give him more time. We're gonna give him more time. Um but let's talk if we can let's take some positives out of that game to sort of round up the chat on the game Jack. And as as Jacob alluded to, Derby score from a set piece, not a direct set piece. Um Obviously, the ball was moved. I can't remember the last time Derby scored from a free kick. It, it must be a while um, from sort of that close range. But obviously, it wasn't a direct shot on goal. What the Cheltenham Wall were doing, I'm not too sure. But it was goals change games, and it, it was obviously that it was a a good time for Derby to score. And I must admit, when that first one went in, even though Derby obviously had been average at best. We've not played the best over the last two or three weeks. There was something inside of me that went, I can only see, if there's going to be a winner, I expect it to be Derby. And obviously that comes, again, Mendes Lang sets up two on, on Saturday. I mean, that finish from Collins is is brilliant uh, for me. You know, if, if, if Arlen's scoring that goal, X goes mad, almost. Because it's James Collins and Derby, some Derby fans don't like him. They're not. They're not really talking about it. I think. I think that's a fantastic goal, a goal that we needed. Because I think if Derby had have dropped uh, dropped the points on Saturday, I think the fans may well have shown their frustrations quite rightly too. And then we're almost not back to square one, but we're scratching our heads again after that fantastic run that we went on and going. Well, where where is this Derby team going? And, and we're too far for me now in the season. I think I mentioned it last week or the week before. We're too far gone in this season now for us to be wondering who the best players are in what position. We we shouldn't have to be having these 
worries. We should have our core team out there gelling, playing football, winning football matches. So I'm hoping, a bit like Jacob said earlier, it's just one of them games, although it's been one of them for the last three. And, and obviously Charlton, which we'll move on to later, is a much better performance. But the two goals that Derby scored, Jack, you can't knock them. It's it's a good free kick from Max Bird and, and it's a fantastic finish from James Collins. Absolutely. It's two bits of quality when we needed them in in a game that for the most part lacked it, really. But um, I think what's what's concerning with what we've been talking about so far in this, this recording is how many times have we had some of these conversations as well. I feel like some of this is stuff that me and you have certainly spoken about, you know, Chris, uh, also with uh, with not just with you in the last few weeks, but even last season when we were recording a fair few times, we had a few of these conversations. And um, yeah, I was on um, Gab Sutton's EFL live thing a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about the automatic promotion race, and you know where where Derby stood with that, and I. He asked me about whether I thought Derby could do it. I was pretty 50-50, thinking, right, we're, what, two weeks into the transfer window, Blackett-Taylor is probably going to come in. We've tied down Cashin and Bird. We're keeping everyone together. You know, at that point, that was just after birth, and we'd scraped that. You thought the momentum, you know, we've, we've got to win despite poor performance. There's a there's a decent chance we could, you know, get get a couple more players in this window and see where you go. Where we are now you know, a couple of days before the deadline, is with results and performances having been, as I've been the last couple of weeks, it's, um, I'm very much back to my usual, more pessimistic self, let's just say. I think as soon as I start to be positive, I think the footballing gods go, hmm, this is, uh, this is going too well. Let's, uh, let's bring him back down a peg. Because uh, something, something's not, not been right these, these last few games. And I think Saturday it was, it was, couple of bits of individual quality and it got us out of jail but you know it is a sign of a, you know you've got to be able to get results on poor performances if you're going to do well over a season but there's too many poor performances of late certainly yeah and I, th- I think that's the takeaway from me as well uh, Jacob I'm interested in your thoughts I think Jack's bang on it, it, it sums it up Derby aren't particularly haven't particularly played well in January when you when you look at it. They've registered a couple of defeats. They've scraped past a couple of teams at home as well. Um but they are still going, they are still sort of fighting. Um you just you just don't really know what to expect when this Derby side crosses that white line again. And I mean, for me, that's probably one of the biggest worries and frustrations. I I, I don't think any game bar the Oxford one, in my, in 70 minutes at Wigan and, and, and Oxford were two games where I thought Derby absolutely deserved the, the, the victories and played quite well. Other than that, I'm scratching my head to think of a, a, a passage of play long enough in a game or consecutive games where I've thought, yeah, Derby are Derby, Derby going in the right direction here. And, I, and it hops back and we have sort of been very repetitive on the podcast over the last two or three weeks. Derby County to now not make the top six would be an absolute travesty because of the position that they're in. But I don't, still don't see it that Derby are necessarily up there for their own 
solid performances. I just think it is the the quality of this league, as we mentioned at the beginning. You only have to really be at 70-80% unfortunately, against most, and that is no disrespect. You really have only got to be 70-80% against the majority of these teams to get something out of them. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think one of the worrying things for me, I think it's already been touched on, is is the fact that we've we've not had many performances this season that have that we can leave the game and speak about afterwards going, yeah, we, we really deserve those three points. We've had a few games at the start of the season where they were quite convincing scorelines. Remember the Peterborough game away from home, uh, Burton away from home, I think 4-2 against Peterborough, 3-0 against Burton. And they're kind of big scorelines for early on in the season, but they weren't fantastic games. Obviously, rightly so. The fans are happy. The fans are jumping around because we, there's two brilliant wins away from home. But there's something just didn't feel quite right, even after those performances. Like, happy with the three points, but I'm not sure. I think we got a little bit lucky with the scoreline there. And that sort of followed us throughout the season to, to where we are now in terms of, you mentioned the Wigan game. For, for me, that is a standout performance. It was not a standout scoreline, but I think we were fantastic and really dominated that game. And for me, I thought that was going to be not so much of a turning point because we're already doing fairly well in the, in the run at that point. But I thought that was like, right, if we can keep playing like this, there's a serious chance that that top two might be within reach. But then obviously the the typical typical derby happens and we have the chance to go top and we lose to a team in the relegation zone. And it's that sort of will we, won't we of the whole season where we're not, we're just not quite there. I don't think we've really left first gear at any point during the season. Maybe, you know, not not even for a full 90 minutes. I don't think we've left first gear. Maybe for an hour or 70 minutes as you touched on. But there's it's just not quite ticking over. I'm not sure really what the plan B is. I'm not really sure what the plan A is. I think we've just got a squad of players who are quite clearly good enough to win promotion from this league. I think that's obvious. I think on paper, we've got a fantastic squad that should definitely be at the top of that table. But it's just, they don't perform as as you'd expect them to. They're not performing in a way that makes you sit back and think, God, yeah, these are good. And I'm, I'm remembering, uh, you know, when Peterborough came to Pride Park this season, and uh, and they beat us late on. They were a really good team, and you're left thinking, God, that was gutting, but Peterborough were really good today. And then last season with Ipswich, they came to Pride Park and beat us, and you just left thinking they were just the, they were the better team. And I, I can't think of too many teams this season who will have, or the supporters will have left the ground after losing to us and gone, yeah, they're going to do well this year. Because we've just not quite turned teams over in the way you'd expect us to. And look, we're, we're fourth. And uh, I feel like I'm rambling on a little bit now, so I'll try and try and cut it a little bit short. But we're fourth on the table at the moment. We're not in a bad spot, but it still feels a little bit underwhelming. And it's odd. It's odd for that to feel underwhelming. I think after the Reading game, I started looking over my shoulder <clears throat> at uh, seventh, uh, seventh place in the league instead of second place because we're not guaranteed to finish in the top six. We saw that last season. And if we keep playing the way we're playing at the moment, there'll be a few more teams that turn us over and suddenly we might only be a point or two away from dropping down to seventh spot. So we've, we've got to keep at it and hopefully the win against Cheltenham was, you know, a bit of a kick in terms of, okay, we've, we've not played well. We've got the three points. Let's better it at the weekend. So yeah, hopefully we can, we can improve from, from here on out. We can find a, you know, a second win, so to speak, and really try and, at least stabilise our spot in the top six. It looks okay for now, but 
I think we need to really keep getting these points on the board now to make sure we don't slip out. Yeah, no, I can't, I can't argue with any of that. Um, I, I would fully agree with you. I mean, I, I, you mentioned Peter, but obviously for me, probably the two sides that I've seen, Oxford at Pride Park, I thought tore Derby apart. Um, and then, as you say, Peterborough on New Year's Day, I would agree. And then somebody mentioned, I, th- I don't know if it was on the phone in or on, on another Derby podcast, Derby and Peterborough are on level points. So you th- you look at Peterborough as they were the best team that Derby we've seen, and, and I would agree with you. I, I think they, they have been. But we've got the same amount of points. We, we we went to their place, and let's face it, it was only a seventeen minute performance, really. But it, it was in it was enough to to win the game. And obviously, Oxford, we did to them what they did to us at our place. We managed to turn up and, and put on a put on a performance. And I thought Oxford looked really poor at the at the, at the Kassam. So uh, even though from going two 0 up as well, so it's but the word underwhelming, Jacob. I, I would agree with you. And Chris, I'm going to bring you on 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 this as well. And it isn't for me. It's underwhelming. I, I'm I'm going to Pride Park. I'm thinking, like you said, Derby chance to go top against Lincoln uh, against Reading. Sorry, um, and I think even on Saturday, if result all the results that have gone gone in our favour, we could have still gone top of the league. Why is the end? Why is this incentive for these players just not? Doesn't seem to be hitting home again. Uh, we we seem to have gone through that bit of a patch of football. Um, and then we're we're sort of asking the same questions that we've asked, certainly since Paul Warren's been in charge, and some further back. Manager of the month curse, January February slump, um, fatigue. The, the players look knackered. These these can't keep being the same excuses without somebody going. Something else is potentially fundamentally not. Right, and when you think you've had a what since two years ago, probably a, a thirty-player swing, twenty-five-player swing. Why are these things still really, you know, comments that you should expect support? No disrespects again, but you should expect these questions about a team who, who are struggling down the bottom, not a team that were ninety minutes away of football seven days ago from from going top of the league. A really good point. Um, I think one of the biggest concerns I have is going back to Bradford. And I just thought that there was really worrying signs in a game that, okay, we could turn around and say it was a tin pot uh, game and, and irrelevant towards the actual main aim of the season. But the attitude of the, of the players and, and, and just the general body language just didn't sit well with me at all. I think one of the biggest problems is, Jason, is, is, is a reality here that we have been worked out and we've been worked out quite easily. There is traps being set to not allow us to get the ball to our danger players. On the odd occasion, you look at Cheltenham, Mendes Lang, that was really the only time he got too close to the byline, allowing that angled ball to get across. And Bird's goal w- was caused through a split in the wall. When it comes to nullifying Derby County, Bradford did it very simply. Reading did it very simply. They just basically realised that our outlets are very simple. They're diagonals every time to width. Like, go back to what I said, the octagon. We don't play through the channels on through the lines. What I find disturbing 
is if you go back to some of the group games of that Tim Pot trophy, i.e. Wolves under-21s, we played some wonderful football through the middle. Barcaden scored some terrific goals through some one-touch intricacy, dummies off the ball, dropping the shoulder. There was a real stigma about the football and excitement thinking, hang on, is this the plan we've been waiting for? And it's disappeared. And, I, and I've been putting on social media that I think one of the biggest problems is is we have become so one-dimensional. We are we are obvious as a football club. And if you nullify obvious, there is no plan B. Jacob came up with a really valid point, and so did Jack. When we've watched performances, we haven't been grasped by it and thinking, that was fantastic. That is a team that's going to go places. Peterborough are level on points with us, but they've only lost four games. They've drawn eight, and they had a right injury crisis during those times. Well, they still managed to hold on to single points, and that takes some doing. I just worry, uh, panel, that if we don't get motivated quick enough, as Jacob said, all the games in hand that played, say at the weekend, we don't have a four-point buffer looking over our shoulder. And with 17 games to go, that is that is three days worth of games. That's a Saturday, Tuesday down the pan. And all of a sudden, like Jacob said, we could be in the mire of desperation again. We'll move on to transfers in a in a little moment. But the final sort of thing I want to mention about Saturday on, I suppose, a bit more of a well, Derby won. We, we, we are positive about it, but we're, we're balanced at the same time. Um, we saw the home debut, or Jack, of Mr. Corey Blackett-Taylor. Um, that's his first feel of a Pride Park pitch. Um, <clears throat> I was thinking just before we started the recording about, I wanted to talk about him, because obviously we've now, everybody should now have seen him for, for a bit of time. Um, and I was thinking about questions and I was thinking about what to say, and I don't want to sound too, too harsh or too negative, but I know Paul Warren mentioned about bringing players in that are first team ready. Anybody who was looked up, and I'm sure most Derby fans did when the name was linked, has looked at his stats at Charlton, and I'd say he's having a pretty decent season. He's not a, he, he, his, his numbers aren't a million miles away from Mendes Lang's, and we know what Mendes Lang has, has sort of brought into the team. The, I appreciate he's probably had three training sessions with with Derby, so to learn to learn a style which is different, to learn a ta- the tactic, and I get all that. But I sit here looking at it from Saturday. We we needed somebody out on that left. I've been saying it for weeks. I don't think Barkhausen's good enough anymore. Um, and we saw again Mendes Lang. Appreciate he's been at the club best part of two years now. Sets up two knows how they play. For me, on Saturday, I'm not expecting two goals. I'm not expecting two assists from Blackett-Taylor. I was expecting a little bit more from him, though, in terms of movement going forward, runs you know, down the wing, getting, getting balls across. Uh, Jack, do you think I'm, a bit, I'm being slightly harsh because of the way that Derby played? Or is he still finding his feet a little bit and obviously appreciate before the haters start, he's played less than 90 minutes in a Derby shirt, but at home against a a comfortable opposition, you'd have expected him to be able to get at them. 
and I don't think we really saw it on Saturday. We didn't. He wasn't. He wasn't great. But then I guess the the flip side to that is who was. Um, I mean, he had. I think he'd only had a couple of days of training. He'd only trained with players twice. I think Paul Warren said. And I wonder whether one of the reasons that he was straight in is purely because of the lack of uh, forward options that were there. We start, although interestingly, we started with kind of four forwards, didn't we? We had striker and then in Collins and then Mendes Lang, Barkhausen and uh, and Blackett Taylor, and that left us with no real recognised strikers or even wingers, although maybe Joe Ward on the bench as well, which was a an interesting an interesting move because what it left us with as well was that once we you know once we weren't firing, we couldn't really change the change the attack up. Luckily, they changed the midfield and that unlocked it because that was you know the big the big issue. But yeah, I think I think Blackett Taylor. Yeah, if he's if he's only trained twice before that game on uh, on Saturday, we will have to give him a bit of time. But it does that does absolutely go against what Paul Warren was saying. You're right about players who are who are ready to come in and, and make an impact straight away. I guess we've got to hope that Saturday is a, a different thing. You know, he's playing an opposition he knows very well, so I believe. They have negotiated the deal so that he can play. I'm pretty sure I read somewhere, yep. uh, despite it being alone. Um, so, you know, maybe maybe Saturdays and occasionally he'll really relish and things are different. But but no, it, it was. It was it was quite disappointing, but then so was pretty much everyone. So I'm not going to read too much into it for now. No, I, I think that's a fair that's a fair assumption. I, I just wanted to to bring him sort of into the into the conversation and, and moving it forward, Jacob. Your your opinions on uh, I suppose obviously as you've not been on the pod, um, sort of the signing of Corey Blackett Taylor and he he should he should be a a decent bit of business for a derby. Um, although as I say, unfortunately, so far we've we've not really seen anything. Um, he, he sort of looks a bit of a lost soul out there at times. I thought on Saturday, but I, I, as I say, if he's, if he's not really done any shape work or any training, this has been this will be the week where he's had four or five training sessions to really get at him again, as as Jack mentioned there, to to turn up at his old employers and, and hopefully put on a show for us. Yeah, yeah, I think it is obviously still a little bit too early to tell the uh, the real sort of player that we have signed from Charlton, but. I think with the the game against Cheltenham, I don't think anyone really in that first hour did anything worth talking about. So obviously he was part of the triple substitution on the hour mark. Um, and I, I honestly don't think there was a single player on the pitch that you you praised too highly after that hour. So I wouldn't go into too much kind of, uh, I wouldn't think too much into Corey Blackett-Taylor's performance there. Um, we, we know he's a talented player. We've seen that with what he's done at Charlton. I think it's a matter of time. I think, like you said, he's not had too much time to to bed into the system. He, he probably doesn't have too much of an idea what's going on because at times the, the players that have been here all season don't look like they know too much what's going on. So we've um, we've got a good player on our hands. I'm sure of that. I think he will come good for us. It's Like I said, it's early days. And Charlton at the weekend is going to be an interesting one. Obviously, he's only just joined us from them. So it might be a bit of an emotional one for him as well. So... Not too sure what to expect of him from that game, whether he's in from the start again, which you'd assume he would be with him being the, the first player we've paid money for in about 
well, what feels like a hundred years. Um, but no, I think he's definitely a player that will come good, and um, and I'm I'm excited to see what he has to offer when he does fully bed into the system. And I think him and Mendes Lang. There's no reason why, with those two on the wings, we shouldn't tear apart some of the teams in this division. You've seen the stats that Mendes Lang has posted. He's on 20 goals and assists uh, combined now for the season. Uh, Blackett Taylor had a pretty healthy number for Charlton too. So I'm looking forward to seeing how he does gel into the team. And as for any kind of other additions in the in this transfer window, it's it's looking a little bit bleak, isn't it? I mean, we've we've been linked with uh, every Sheffield Wednesday player over the age of 30. By the sounds of it, so that that's interesting. Uh, Smith doesn't look like it's going to happen from Wednesday. We've been linked today with Lee Gregory returning again. It's a situation where they're supposed reportedly asking for quite a high wage contribution or a loan fee to to have these players come. I don't think Wednesday are too keen to help us out by the looks of it. Um, and it, it, I'd be surprised honestly if we if we get anyone else in unless there's some major development in the in the next day or two. Obviously, the deadline's Thursday. Um, as it stands, we've got James Collins up top. No one else. We've sent Brown out on loan. Uh, Waghorn is injured. John Jules is injured. Washington is injured. So, it's we, we really should have taken more advantage in this transfer window. And Warren said last season, uh, towards the end of the season, that it was January that killed us. You know, we didn't recruit well. We didn't add to the team what we needed to add in order to you know, to be successful. And it's it's a bit of deja vu. You know, we've, we've brought one player in who people are excited about, and rightly so. But I just, I don't know if we've done, well, and I know that we've probably not done enough to to kick us on. We might stay in the same kind of position in the league, but I think we needed a, at least another striker in. I think maybe another player out wide. I think definitely a midfielder. There were problem areas on the pitch that needed solving, which don't look like they're going to be solved and I think that will probably be the the difference between us finishing fourth or fifth or sixth as it would to you know finish in the top two so we, we might get another youngster online from somewhere might you know it, it could be an interesting couple of days but the past few transfer windows especially January transfer windows have suggested that we're probably gonna have a very similar squad come Saturday uh, to the squad that we've got now so it'll be interesting to see what Warren does with this squad to try and rejuvenate it moving forwards, whether that is looking to the academy. We've got some decent players coming through there. You know, Bayo Fapatu, we've got Darren Robinson who are on the brink. They're on the bench at the weekend. But we'll, we'll have to wait and see what happens. I think there's obviously room for improvement in our squad. Um, whether or not we're going to improve it this January doesn't look too likely. But we'll. I think we'll we'll be fine. I think we will be fine without the additions. I just don't think we're going to have what it takes to push into that top two with the squad we've currently got at the moment. Well, Jacob, you're not going to join us for the second part. appreciate you've got to shoot. We're going to talk transfers. So thank you very much for your input, mate. And uh, hopefully we'll have you on again soon. Yeah, nice one. Enjoyed that, guys. Thank you. So then, chaps, as Jacob's just alluded to, the final sort of chatting point that we've got to come up with on the podcast is that transfer window as the door slams shut in just on over 50 hours' time. What a strange way of describing it. Thursday at 11 o'clock. We've seen some other business happening in and around us. 
obviously it's been reported that um, Portsmouth have beat us to a striker. Bolton have have strengthened. Uh, Peterborough. I mean, we're we're reading reports uh, as much as you can believe them that Derby, as we mentioned earlier, Michael uh, Smith. We sounds like we're not in. You know, gonna gonna spend the money on him. Lee Gregory, another one who, who's been linked. Um, just just to get the band back together, Chris Tom Mintz has been told he can he can leave Watford on loan if he wants to. Um, I mean, I understand the by any means necessary comment of of getting up, but that's not the type of attraction that we want. And and at a point that I think Jack and Jacob both made, Paul Warren mentioned that January last year he got it badly wrong. And whilst Blackett Taylor does look like a, a a promising signing, so far that elusive striker is yet again missed out on and or, or missing out on. And to be honest with you, it shouldn't. I think we all got our hopes up that somebody was coming in, but I don't think anybody should really be all that surprised when. We look back to uh, we look back to the summer at a time where clearly it's it's easier to to pick up free transfers, and we end up sent, signing a, a fourth striker based on a twenty minute cameo in a testimonial game when you know he in Martin Waghorn. So it's no massive surprise that that Derby have struggled to bring in another frontman of quality, um, but still. It is a position that I don't want to say this, but it's almost a position now that Derby have got to bring somebody in. It, it, quality obviously matters, but you you may as well take a if there's any more Premier League under twenty one players out there, you may as well take a punt on one of them now because we are so short in that position. And you know, touching wood, God forbid that there's an injury to James Collins in the well between now and the end of the season, really. But between now and, and the next three or four weeks, I think Derby can very much kiss their uh, hopes of promotion a, a, a big goodbye. I think it's a very valid point, Jason. Um, I was talking with Jack uh, this evening about how other clubs look at transfer windows now, they do their dealings. And it's interesting to look at a model like Peterborough, who, when they acquire players, especially from Barnet, they loan them back sort of fringe players to fill the boots that have been left, shall we say, at their club. And obviously that works for everybody because that allows people to retain strength in the squad that uh, they are selling without sort of, keeping a nice relationship going between two clubs and also their academy products are really impressive. What what really frightens me, Jason, and we spoke about this before, and, and unfortunately we are on the same record again, the broken record is, what is our recruitment team employed to do? Because this is not a knee-jerk problem, is it, guys? This is, we've been needing a striker since the summer of 2023. Probably needed a striker since before that when Paul Warren had the January window, he he made it blatantly obvious and clear that he failed last year with this window. 
he's had since September to prepare for this window scout away. Um, it's getting to the point where I think we're going to be watching Channel 5 and a, a boat of asylum seekers who come on the on the beach and you see um, our recruitment director there in his derby kit with a sign that says anyone play football. Because at the moment, I, I'm sick and tired of hearing this word restrictions. We have the ability to trade. We still have the ability to trade. Why aren't we being brave and trade? You know, Cashin has been found out this last two or three games. Let's be honest. Pace kills him. When the game is quite limited and a slow pace is structured, he'll win everything. But when you get electric pace at him, he got absolutely destroyed by uh, Mr. Taylor at Lincoln. And here goes back to my point, and I'll pass the baton back. We recruit and we employ a head coach. There's a word in that title that he doesn't seem to do, which is coach. I look at Fornar. Has his game improved? Really? Honestly? No. Has anyone that come through the building that we didn't already know about that you've turned around and gone, there's an improvement. I can see I can see a player there. One thing that McLaren always did was get players to be better and better and better. And good managers do that. Daryl Ferguson does that at Peterborough. Brentford do that. We don't seem to have a coach who knows how to coach individuals, and that concerns me. Yeah, but it is it is a valid point. Um, I would have to agree. I don't think anybody really has taken on that mantle and and, and moved on. I mean, obviously, you know, we look at our under twenty ones who were absolutely decimated, who were who were, I think, second bottom in the in the PL two, and our under eighteen started off awful, and I think they've picked up just recently um, as well. But obviously, they're under a different sort of coaching management and obviously he's let Dijon Brown go out on loan. Our only, really now we, we are scraping, no disrespect, we are scraping the barrel as a, he was our only other recognised striker who, who, you know, has now gone out to a, a non-league side and, you know, th- there was no way he really, realistically was going to come straight into the, um, come straight into the fold and, and bang in 10 goals between now and the end of the season because that is sort of what Derby needs. And Jack, I just I can't get on board with there's nobody out there that would be interested in coming to Derby who could do a job. Um, some of the players that we've been sort of linked with, the names, they're, for me, they're, they're desperate. They, they, they come across as desperate signings. You, um, Chris alluded to, you know, having relationships with clubs. Now, I think over the years, I think it's fair to say, we've had quite a decent relationship with Arsenal. And, and that's why, obviously, probably, you know, one of the reasons why John Jules ended up coming into the club. But you can't tell me that Arsenal have not got another under-21 player, under-23 player, you know, a, a 19, 20-year-old who wants to come out and, and play football in League One. So what is it that's putting them off, Jack? Can can you can you put your finger on why Derby haven't? And Chris is right. We've looked for a striker for for a couple of seasons now. Why is it we can't pick up that elusive striker that's under thirty, hungry, a different sort of dynamic to what we've already got? There's got to be players out there. So so why have why have Derby struggled so much to get one through the door? Because as we say, restrictions. You ain't signing a player for three hundred grand 
like we have in Corey Blackett Taylor, and you're telling me that Derby have got restriction as as much restrictions as some people might believe that we've got. I I don't understand why the striker has has not come through the door. Yeah, I mean, there's got there's got to be people out there. In terms of restrictions, I know uh, me and Chris were talking about this, and you know he was saying he tweeted earlier. I saw a tweet saying you know there aren't restrictions there now. There's not an embargo. The only, I guess, the way I put it, the only perceived restrictions that people might think are there. What what they really mean is, don't be silly. Spend what you can justify. Spend within your means. Don't go further. Run like a normal, sustainable football club. That's the, um, the bottom line with that. In terms of you know loan players coming in, if it's youngsters who you know Premier League clubs want to give them game time, you'd think they'd be happy to pay most of the wages. You know, there's got to be someone there. Alternatively, you know, me and Chris were talking Peterborough. Um, and what they do, you know, could you be looking down the pyramid? Of course, it's going to be difficult to to prize someone away in January. But, um, you know, is there, is there deals that could be done? I mean, if we just look at our our squad, and I'm going to break out the old, uh, the old average age statistics. And this season, Derby have the oldest squad in the division. You contrast that to Peterborough who have the youngest squad in the division by almost a year on anyone else. And you look at what's what's going on there and the way they the way they recruit, you know, Chris was talking about some of the some of the teams that they've signed players from, you know, lots from Barnet, lots from, you know, lower leagues. As my creative cloud just pops up for no reason. Sorry, that was uh off putting. But but yeah, you, you look at what, what they're doing and even the, I mean, I think, you know, he went for a million pounds. That might not be money Derby have. It probably isn't. But at the moment, or willing, uh, money they're willing to, to put aside. The the guy who's gone from Wimbledon to, to Ipswich in the last couple of days, he was on trial at Derby a couple of years ago. They they have some details on him. They, they've got to have some people, some people that are looking for, for these players, spotting some of these players. And what we did well, you know, I need to do to continue to rebuild kind of academy in the under-21 side that hopefully then comes through further is not just developing our own players, but you think of the likes of Malcolm Ebioe a couple of years back. He got released, Derby saw something in him, they gave him a chance, you know, and had the circumstances have been different, they would have got some decent money for him. You know, that's the sort of thing long term, and I think I'd rather. You know, I don't. I don't know where the where the striker is at the moment. We've got to hope there's somebody that can come in. But you could have seen this coming. It's not like we don't have enough strikers in the squad. We got. You know, they signed three strikers this summer. On top of the one we've already got, four should be kind of all right. That should be manageable. But you know, the three strikers we've signed are all got. You know, questionable injury records that are coming back to bite us now, yeah. and that's the the thing that I think has has gone wrong. That you know, me and Chris were saying you, you could have seen coming, right? We we knew this was a risk. You, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, you were reading that Derby thought they'd got to the bottom of the the issues surrounding John Jules's injury. It, it'll be fine. You know, they're going to now extend the loan. 
And then, you know, bad luck, he goes and gets injured. But somebody needs to come in. I guess the other thing is if you're a if you're a Premier League club looking to develop a player and you want them yeah, you want them to get senior football experience, if we're sitting here saying well, the system doesn't seem to have that much about it. It's not that well organised. Is that the sort of thing that a, a Premier League club is going to want one of their youngsters to go into? I guess would be the other question, right? That's going to be making a difference if they're seeing some of the same things. Can I just add to that? Sorry, Jason. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a, that's a brilliant point. Now, if you look at all the youngsters that Paul Warren's brought through the doors in his tenure, Adoro, uh, Asula, sorry, um, Fornar, Harvey White, Spriggett, you, you know, I, I'm no doubt missed a couple of others. Not one of them has succeeded. Um, I've missed one somewhere. Um, the lad from, so you got the lad from Sheffield United and the lad from Everton. I, thought, I can't think of the second. Dobbin. 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 Um, yeah. And you, you're absolutely spot on. There, there is a pedigree there, a history of failure, of not bringing on those players. And let's not be stupid. These clubs will note this and think, well, he went to Derby. He's done nothing. He's gone nowhere. There's no productivity come from his loan. Why, would, why are we going to send someone to Derby? The, the, their actual playing style doesn't allow my cultured midfielder to express himself and get better. There is a real concern, Jason, isn't there, that we are no longer an attractive club to come and play for, whereas under previous uh, tenures and managers, there was an attraction to come and play for some of the best coaching in the country. I mean, to be honest with you, just to bring it up, you you can go back, Chris, you know, Jack as well, you can go back years from when Derby physically had lone players, on loan that they probably didn't pay a great deal for, because you've got to rule out Mason Mount, Harry Wilson and Tamori. We we paid completely over the top for those. And don't get me wrong, it, it nearly paid off. But then you you go, you look at some of the players that we have signed on loan and over the, oh, you know, Mascarells and the Destart, Julian Desarts of, of the world. You've got to go back... Even even under McLaren, obviously, we had Ince on loan originally. You had uh, Darren Bent on loan. They're, they're expensive sign. They're expensive, cultured, experienced players. You've got to go back easily to probably Nigel Clough when we brought in the likes of Leon Osman and, and, and those that wanted a chance, wanted an opportunity and became very, very good players for Derby and went on to have massive careers. So th- this isn't something that's new. It- it's something that's spanned the last 15, 20 years. Um, I just, I, I, I can't, that's why I asked you the question, question Jack, and Chris, I'll, I'll ask you as well. I don't understand why there isn't a lineup of players that want to come and play for Derby that are good enough, other than the points that Jack's just made about the style and everything. I, I would I would absolutely agree with that. There's got to be something, and as I say, with that relationship with Arsenal, you can't tell me John Jules is their only prospect up front. And then when when you look over the last two years, I appreciate the administration, and you do have to keep harping back to it a little bit. But the people that we've signed, certainly what Paul Warren signed, obviously it was a it was a big changeover in the summer. We're, we're signing players that are 
in, in, injury prone, Crocs, wh- whatever you want to call them, and you've ju- you've he was hoping that it would all come together. Not a single one for me personally, and no disrespects to them. I don't think there's been a single signing that Paul Warren's made so far that's been, other than possibly Blackett Taylor, but we've not seen enough of him. That's been a proven strategic signing, and it harps back to what you've just said there, Chris. We've now had somebody in a position of senior management in terms of looking for this kind of player, looking for these kind of players who's got a fantastic track record. Why, why, why hasn't it happened in in that eighteen months? Restrictions aside, that probably did did curtail a, a, a fair bit, but not this season. Why weren't those? Certain players lined up. Have, have we really lost out to that many? Oh, oh, oh and 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 our, and our and our pool's dry. I, I I just can't I can't get on board with that. What also concerns me is the fact that we have gone down the path of gambling regarding Washington, regarding Jules. Who, as you know, guys, when I was on on the show previously, I've always said that was a that was a no no for me, Tyrus Jodger. We are saddened to see what's happened to him. You know, he's a young lad who, who's heartbroken. His career is potentially, you know, down the pan. But ultimately, oh, we're a business and we're a football club. And that was a silly, silly risk. Washington, a silly risk. Waggy, as much as we love him, he hadn't played a he hadn't played much competitive football in eighteen months, so he couldn't have anywhere been near as sharp as he'd like to be. And now he's been pushed and pushed and pushed to be at this peripheral that is expected at this level and his body's at some point is broken down again. And bear in mind, he's, he's, he's 34 years old. Now, if we're saying we're sitting in that office, Jack, and uh, on that uh, whiteboard, you've got the name Smith and Gregory at the top of it, then, you know, lo and behold, what we're doing? Because you've just hit the nail on the head. We are the oldest squad already in the league. Why are we going back to a team who hate us and asking for two of their strikers. Okay, of course, Chef Wednesday are going to give us a favour. Yeah, lads, you know what, Derby? Don't even pay a fee. We're going to pay their wages. We're going to drive them to you in a personal Uber, and we're going to deliver them to your door, because we really like you. You didn't try and screw us over two years ago. You know, it, it's nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. I would rather have had David Klaus say to me, and look, people are going to listen to this podcast and go, oh, here he goes, ranting again. We're fourth, for Christ's sake. But we're fourth, not on merit, we're fourth because the league is shite. Um, the reality is, guys, and apologies for swearing, uh, the reality is I would have rather had David Klaus do a forum with Mark Thomas and Paul Warren and turn around and say, our strategy is to get a squad of 16 League 2 non-league structured players who we are going to coach over a three-year plan like Peter would do. Brentford did brilliantly. Luton have done to an extent. Ipswich. Oh, even, Ipswich, know, definitely. Yeah. And we're going to bring them through. They're going to be, they're going to be start probably mid-table. Then they might get to ninth. Then we might go, but they're going to be 19, 20, 21, 120 games under the belt. The odd one's going to be magnificent and get us 3 million quid. You bring that 3 million quid in, you invest it. It's a business model. The other question is, Jack, and I'll pass this on to you. At the end of the season, win promotion or not win promotion, I think we've got 13 players out of contract. So the merry-go-round goes around again. It's, it's, where is the strategy? 
Yeah, it's it's very much been done. And if it, it's one of those things where, and this is an alarmingly familiar phrase from the last, you know, from a few years ago, where if it comes off, great. But, but yeah, we've gone for players dropping down a division. And generally, there's a reason why they're dropping down a division. And for a lot of the players we've signed in the summer, that has been, you know, injury records and things. Um, whereas... You know, again, if it works, if we if we get up, then fine. But it still doesn't mean if we're looking long term, we you know we couldn't go up to the championship and go right. Well, this player, this player, and this player have just been released by a Premier League club. Let's get him in, even though they're thirty five, because they might take us up this season. That is not how you can you can work long term. You look at someone like Ipswich. I mean, McKenna had what a year and a half before he got him up. But even the signings they've been making. This year, you know, they're pushing for promotion to the Premier League. They've just, as I say, spent a million pounds on a striker from League Two because he's someone that fits the system and has been doing well. You know, even the midfielder they got from Peterborough in the, in the summer, you know, they went back to League One and went, you've done well at this, at this level that we've just been at. We think we can take you to the next level with us. <laughs> If we were doing that, even if it wasn't coming off straight away, if you had a young squad who you could see progressing, there'd be there'd be more hope, wouldn't there? I think we'd be looking and we'd be saying, you know, give them time. Whereas I think part of the frustration at the moment, rightly or wrongly, depending on you know who you ask within the fan base, is that it feels like I guess there's maybe a bit of a ticking time bomb with with the squad we've got because yeah half of them go in the summer as it stands and and yeah you've got to you've got to start all over again and as much as all oh, lots of transfer deals i mean you know the only the, the good thing about that is all oh, content <laughs> you know we're gonna have a lot to talk about again this summer but as a fan it doesn't you know that can't lead to uh to success long term you know that just you need a, a solid core and have we got that to an extent, but not well enough, certainly. I, I think, and people can shoot me down for saying it, when Derby came down and obviously after the takeover, the, the position that they were in was troubling, but there was still there was still too much of a, not from, I'm not talking from hierarchy here, by the way, I'm talking from more of a, of a fa, some of the fan base. There, there, was, there was the arrogance of Derby, well, Derby don't belong in League One, we need to get straight back up. Uh, and it, it has to sort of be in the background, in the back room as well, because we 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 have we've gone down that we've gone down that avenue. And let's face it, we don't go up this year. We're not giving most of the, we're not having another crack at it. We th- we then we are then a League One club, and we rebuild, and we do everything that we've just talked about. Um, I have no. I have no qualms if it was within the financial restrictions, which clearly it was, for Derby going out and doing what they're doing to try and get us back up at first hit. No problem at all. Exactly the same this year. It's not an issue. But if we don't go up this year, for me personally, I don't think we can roll the dice again. I think you have to then cut your ties, cut your losses, don't tie people down to two-year contracts, and then we, we we have to rebuild. Um, and and do it in you know do it in the right way. We have picked up a couple of gems. They are injury prone, 
Keen Wilson be, being one, but obviously it looks like so far his injuries have sort of been um, put aside so far. And I think he's been one of the standout signings. You have to smatter a little bit of experience in there if you can. That is a that is a nice mix. Um, but I'm still, and I think I said this a while ago, I, I don't know what's more damaging to Derby was going straight back up and trying to rebuild or staying down and trying to rebuild. I, I'm still not 100% confident on what was the better option. And to be honest, until we go up or if we go up, I say until that sounds a bit optimistic, if we go up, th- th- then we, we we can talk about that. Nobody wants Dar- no Derby fan wants Derby in League One. But if that if we have to take a step backwards to make two forwards, we said about this when everything changed hands. This should have been a bit of a cleaner slate. This should in in terms of the playing staff for me. Um, but again, on the on the flip side to that, would Derby would most Derby fans be happy if Derby were lingering you know nineteenth twentieth in League One trying to rebuild? Financially, it would have been a, a bit of a problem. So th- there are pros and cons to you know to both sides. But I am I'm not confident dragging it back to the here and now. I am not confident that a striker is coming in by the end of tomorrow. Uh, by the end of um, Thursday night, and if they are, I'm not sure what type of striker we're going to have. And that, to me, is is a is a bit of a worry. Well, it's it's more than a bit of a worry. It's 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 a huge worry um, because we we not we have had no update from anybody at the club about the situation with Washington Wagon uh, in injury status. We we just don't know. We just don't know when they're available. If they're available in two weeks' time, you you know you probably go would have liked to have had one in. But at the end of the day, things are coming back. Not saying that Wagon and Washington are going to fire us to promotion. I, I don't believe that they will, but bodies are bodies um, at this moment in time. And that sounds quite desperate, but I think you are sort of at that position now because, as I say, Collins goes 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 down with an injury. Who have you got? You're playing Mendes Lang up front. And then that, I mean, he's played up front a couple of times this season and, you know, he's, he's not a striker. We know that. His finishing isn't as good as a striker's needs to be for for that. But I appreciate his, his finishing is, is pretty solid. But I'm, I'm concerned. I'm concerned the striker's not coming in. And I think that might be our January business done, gentlemen, in, in terms of incomings. And, and just very quickly to finish the podcast, um, outgoings, there has been a sort of... Well, no, there has been a comment that somebody may well be on the way out. Chris, I'm interested in your thoughts on who that might be. Well, names have been banded around. Ward, Wildsmith. Um, I think it could be someone like Robinson. Um, I think it's more peripheral 23s. I don't think Paul Warren has got the... He hasn't got the squad to allow someone like Ward and Wildsmith to go out unless he's bringing someone in. Um I think it'll be peripherals who have been on the edge of the EFL Trophy squad and played quite a few pre-seasons. I don't see that there's uh, a major name going out. Do you, Jack? It feels it feels unlikely. I guess 
depending on who it is, if it's, say, you know, I have seen a lot of people banning about that it could be Ward, purely based on the fact we've got Wilson and Nyambi ahead of him. If it was somebody who was a bit more major, but not, but, you know, hasn't been playing that regularly and Warren felt, you know, okay, we could probably lose them. If we got a little bit of money for them, that might be our only hope of getting a striker in. But I just, I just, yeah, I don't see it being somebody, somebody who was a, you know, a, a big name. And and yeah, it'll be, it'll be, be interesting to see. But yeah, based on, based on nothing, <laughs> pretty much, you know, I'm, I'm thinking it probably won't be that big. What I will say, can I just get a couple of uh, little plug, a couple of things now, just to quickly reel, uh, reel something off? Is uh, deadline day? I've got. I've got nothing on, so I'm just going to be sat all day like a sadder, just uh, reading through all the stuff, putting my thoughts out on various stuff. You know, I'd like to think Darby might do something, and then some of it will come from the podcast account, but the odds are Darby won't do anything. So, uh, you know, for general transfer deadline day stuff, you know, follow me, people. <laughs> Brilliant listeners. You know, that's... Because, yeah, I, I just don't see... I just don't see much happening at Darby. That's the, that's the bottom line. I just don't see how we... You know, we've had, you know, four weeks and the only thing we've really heard about was Blackett Taylor. I just think it from, from where we are now and the links that are coming and the ones that feel feasible, yeah, we might get one player in. There might be one person going out. And that, you know, but that's that's questionable. And yeah, that's that's kind of where I feel we are. I, my head says... It could well be Wildsmith, but because I, th- I I don't see why he's been dropped. I, I really don't. Um, so I, I think there might have been a bit of a falling out there, but you aren't going to let your, you're not going to let him go out. Who else have we got? I mean, I may as well go and sit on the bench with my gloves on uh, and I've not played in 15 years. So um, I, I, I just don't see it being him. Ward, possibly. Sibley is a name. Barkhausen is still everybody knows my opinion on Tom Barkhausen. But obviously he, he did kind of say he was on the peripherals where Tom's been sort of in and around it. Um it, it's very it is very hard to a bit like you, Chris. It 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 got built up as somebody oh my god, we're gonna we're we're gonna lose a player that's you know sort of important to the squad. It's probably not gonna be. Even if even if it goes through, uh, you know whatever happens happens. But we shall we shall wait and see. Um, but yeah, Ward is, is could well be Sibley, Barkhausen. That'd be sort of my opinion. I'd, I'd Bradley maybe. I mean, let's face it, it's not really getting much. Um, you've just got to hope if, like Jack alluded to there, if that's something a, a deal wants to be made. Make it in time. Make the funds available for us to maybe just pick a striker now instead of scraping the absolute bottom of the barrel. Maybe we can go one or two, you know, one or two rungs up and, and maybe bring somebody in who can who can be effective in the second. Well, in the in the closing stages now. You can't even call it the second half in the closing stages of the season. Next week's pod. We'll have all that information. We'll have also we've not even touched on Charlton. Charlton on Saturday away at the Valley. Um, 
who knows what's going to happen. Absolute, I remember last season under Rossini, second game in, wasn't it? First away game, absolutely tore him a new one for 45 minutes. Um, we'll see what happens. As we said, Corey Blackett-Taylor's return to the Valley very, very quickly. Um, and I don't think we've played them so far this season, so we must play them very quickly in in, in turn round, very similar to what we did. 27th. With Reading. Is that yeah, what it is? February, yeah, February, yeah, very quickly, same as we have Reading. But we'll have all that information. Hopefully we've got three points after Saturday or at least something out of it and an improved performance. We'll have all the information about the transfer window. But until then... Thanks to Jack. Thanks to Chris. We've been the Rams Review and up the Rams. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Rams Review podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to get in touch, we're on Twitter at Rams Review 1. Our Facebook is Rams Review Podcast, or you can drop us an email, ramsreview at hotmail.com. Thanks for listening, and until next time, up the Rams.